a female nurse with a British accent maybe, or in my blackout drunk active labor state, I could be assigning an accent to her. Hell, she could have been carrying a Mary Poppins umbrella for all I knew. Walked ahead of me, holding paperwork and introducing herself as she went. I remember she was named after a flower. I remember thinking, oh, that's really cool. And immediately forgetting which flower she said. She seemed strong, reserved, teensy bit scary. I stopped to clutch onto the metal bars of a stretcher hanging out in the hallway. I bent over that stretcher and breathed as though my contraction was a wild buck and I was a dumbass cowboy hanging on for dear life. Like someone bet me five bucks I couldn't hang on and I was young and dumb enough to take them up on it. When I could stand again, the nurse congratulated me on handling my contractions so well. I think she meant quietly. I had a foreboding sense. Oh no, I thought. Doesn't she know that this is just a show of best behavior in a public hallway? And as soon as we get into that birthing room, me and this wild buck are going to trash the place? Hot Vomit. A Ferrochrome podcast. Being assigned a nurse and a spacious labor room was like being given a beautiful suite at a hotel. Except the maitre d' and hostess and custodial staff don't leave. They just come right in, act like it's their room, lay down on your nearest velvet chaise, eat your grapes, and boss you around. As soon as the door to our birthing room swung shut, I asked for drugs. The nurse didn't look or sound impressed. She pointed to a gas mask on the wall and without showing me said, if you really need to, you can use this. I thought, laughing gas? Are you fucking kidding me? The gas did nothing, likely because I only took one quick suck and didn't know how to work the thing. I also felt guilty though, like I had taken a puff off of a cigarette. I had quit smoking for 13 years. I was trying so hard to go drug free to do all I could do for the baby and for breastfeeding. I had read so much about bonding and especially about post-breast reduction best chances at breastfeeding was a drug-free birth. But surprisingly, nothing I read could prepare me for what I was actually going through. Words couldn't touch or begin to describe the planet I was jettisoned off to as soon as that first contraction hit. The nurse then kept telling me how lucky I was to be in such a big, spacious labor suite that I got a really nice one. I'm sure she was trying to make small talk. It's such an awkward situation to be naked and bellowing and the most vulnerable you will ever be with a complete stranger. It's a forced intimacy, really. One that seemed instant with my doula and midwife, both of whom I didn't know, but deeply trusted. But it wasn't like that with this nurse. It felt like I was annoying to her. There were more people in the room helping the nurse get set up and each one reiterated how fantastic the tub was before leaving. I think my doula got in on the action and also fawned over the large birthing tub in the corner. The nurse said, it is a terrific tub. I was thinking, who gives a fuck about this tub? Everyone is like, oh, the tub, the tub. Do they not understand that no fucking tub in any part of this God-given green earth is gonna change what is happening inside of my uterus? Did they not understand that I wasn't giving birth to a baby right now? No. In fact, I was giving birth to an incredibly large goat-like bowling ball with machetes coming out of it in the middle of a tornado and that I could feel every last fucking thing. Fast forward four hours later, after the epidural kicked in, one of the first things I said was, wow, 
that is a really nice tub. And this is a really nice suite. Just look at that tub. That tub is like a luxury tub in a place like Whistler. Maybe someday we'll stay over in a room with a tub like that. But let's rewind four hours back. After checking my vitals and establishing the baby's heart rate, I was allowed to go into the tub. As soon as I hit the water, I got on my hands and knees, rocking back and forth and bobbing my head around, splashing at the water with my hands, sometimes putting my face in, thinking if I could blow out all the bubbles, I could take the pain away. The pain remained. It was lessened in the tub, which I found out cruelly when the nurse kept insisting I get out of the tub to have my vitals taken every hour and to pee. And as soon as I got out of the water, it was like having a migraine in every skin cell of my body. Swack, my body screamed, like water was being sucked out of me in a desert. Pieces of my hardened, dehydrated brain knocking itself senseless into the walls of my hardened cells. It was amazing how intense these sensations were. I begged to stay in the tub, but the nurse would have none of it. I guess it was easier to check the baby's heart rate with me out of the water. She was thinking of the baby, which means she was doing her job well. But in those moments, I deeply understood why people die in childbirth. And I thought, we've got it all wrong. It's not tragic. It's amazing. It's mercy. It's relief. It's a gift. For the woman who cares how the pain stops, even if that's death, just make it stop. Hey, new secret plan for getting out of this. Death. Hey, death over here, I'm right here. The naked one dripping and crawling on the hospital room floor to have her vitals read and being told to piss in the toilet again. Yep, you got it. Hit me now, sir. Take me down. But luckily, death decided on someone else that night. The nurses who took over for my nurse's break let me stay in the tub. God bless them. In the tub, I achieved, quote, and stayed eight centimeters dilated. When I started to involuntarily push, and I didn't know yet that's what I was doing, I screamed out nervously, I think I'm pooping. There was no response. I might be shitting. Am I allowed to shit in this tub? There was bewilderment, panic, mortification, and urgency in my voice. No one replied. No one was bothered by my screaming or checked. I braced myself on my hands and knees and let out a guttural grunt more ferocious than an angry hippo. I was trying to hold the poop in, but that poop had the force of a thousand exorcisms at once. I thought for sure I had shit myself. Then I thought, well, I guess you are allowed to shit in this world-class, terrific luxury tub. Turns out, I wasn't pooping, but my water was gushing out of me. At this late stage of labor, my water had finally broken, and the pressure of my baby's head made it come out like a 1991 Super Soaker 200. It was epic. Earlier, when I tried a smidge of the laughing gas, I requested that our midwife rupture my bulging sack, aka my water, because the weight of these bagged piranhas against my pelvis was insane. But the doula, she was the only one who acknowledged that it would make me feel better for a few seconds, but that it's not worth doing. And now... I understood why. Me, the hippo wolf in the tub on my hands and knees, my head lolling and bobbing around like my neck was on a slinky, came face to face with a tsunami of a contraction. It leapt up in front of me and took me down hard. Aside from watching many instructional videos on how to tie a sarong properly, you know, my beautiful birthing outfit, 
I had watched many surfing movies and YouTube videos in the hopes I could train my mind to surf contractions. I pictured the biggest wave I had watched before, and instead of surfing it, I saw myself somewhere near the bottom of it. Then amidst all the throttling, I got a glorious break, a deep intake of oxygen, a glimpse of blue sky, and a sensation I had never felt before, a jet stream of something shooting out of me like an impressive fountain. It was powerful. It distracted me from every other thing happening in my body and swallowed me whole in its shimmering relief. A moment's pause, a moment's calm. My water had broken, relief, and then. I had no control over this new sensation and it was frightening. And it was a new kind of pain, bringing the contractions up to a deafening decibel. Meanwhile, I had to push into this new throttling pain. I was asking myself to touch the void, to go further into an excruciating unknown. I screamed, oh my God, I'm pushing. And someone, the nurse, the midwife, the doula, another nurse, a doctor yelled, don't push. And I felt a jolt of panic. I yelled back, but I am pushing. And what I meant was my body was pushing. Like I couldn't stop it. And someone yelled, try not to push. And that's when my transformation from human being woman to hybrid wild animal, the angry hippo mixed with a howling wolf became complete. It was a crazy guttural grunting sound, a grinding bellow, a low ferocious roar, which was the sound of me trying to hold myself back from pushing as per requested, turned into a soulful bail a wolf howl with the despair of three planets within it, surrendering to the gutting each contraction brought. I could no longer speak. It seemed as though I could only grunt and howl. And thus began the two minute long overlapping contractions. My water breaking meant that there was no cushion between my baby's head and my eight centimeters or so dilated cervix. And boom, boom, boom against the closed door of my cervix went the back of his head. It felt like bone on bone, which by the way, he was born with a huge blood bruise, red and swollen in a circle around the back of his perfectly shaped cone head from where he was doing his damnedest to get through. It looked like it was pretty hard on him too. My hippo slash wolf hybrid self went ballistic, growl, grunt, howl. Then I'd scream, I'm sorry to everyone in the room for being so loud. Then low bellowing, growl, grunt, howl. When the beginning of one contraction started, just as the previous one ended, I kept saying, no, 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 no. And another wave of despair came over me. There was no break. There wasn't even one second of a break. My animal self allowed me a few human words and I said, I can't do this. And the doula who was by my side said, you are doing this. You are already doing this. You can do this. This is your body giving birth. This is normal. Yes. Yes, yes, but I couldn't communicate that the pain, which was already unbearable, just went up a hundred notches, that this was not normal, that I was deeply afraid the baby wasn't going to make it inside of me and inside of the shitstorm. I couldn't find words or breath to say that the previous giant's shift was over and the throttling had now been taken over by a cruel sadist herd of angry giants, a whole team of them. I was nine centimeters dilated. 
Jay spent some time next to me in the birthing tub. When the tail end of one contraction overlapped with the beginning of another, the easiest time, although still quite painful, I had the right of mind to try and say something to him. He had been by my side for nearly 27 hours. He had been through all of this with me. He had fed me soup and he had helped me pee. He had pushed my hips together and he got me washcloths and teething toys. He had driven and done the paperwork and many other things. I wanted him to know that I appreciated him, needed him. I hadn't really made eye contact with him in a long time. I was so lost out in labor space. So I got my head to the side of the tub, caught his eye and said, Jay, I love you. And his stressed out face relaxed and he started to smile at me saying, ah, when all of a sudden I screamed as loud as I have ever screamed before right into his face. This is when my uterus became an overachiever and decided to squish the contractions closer together and make them overlap more so that it felt like I was in the middle of one long contraction, which would never, ever end. I screamed in a way that got the midwife by the side of the tub in a jiffy. She tried to tell me that I was safe, that the baby was safe, and this was still a normal birth, that I was just fully dilating. I asked her breathlessly, how far along am I? And she said, nine centimeters. Labor math, third wave of despair, a throttling I had never felt before. I'm not even fully dilated. She said, this is normal. You're opening up. You're doing it. I have no words to describe being dilated nine centimeters after 27 hours of labor as a first-time mom with nearly 45 hours of no sleep. I have no words. But what I did have was an idea. I realized there was a way to get drugs, and I was really good at it. It's called panicking. These fuckers didn't seem to be listening to me, so it was time to take matters into my own hands. I started saying, please help me, over and over and over again, and then just the word, help, 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 over and over and over again until the anesthesiologist showed up a few minutes later. Actually, more like an hour or so later, but it felt like a few minutes to me. I wasn't going to stop saying help until I got some mother-flippin' help. In my head, I still had at least another 10 hours of this, and I knew I needed to tap out. I remember the midwife saying, if you go for the drugs, you won't be able to give birth in this tub. And I leapt out of that luxury tub like it was on fucking fire. The nurse and my doula tried to put towels on me to cover me up as I met the anesthesiologist for the first time. He stood there with my chart in his hand, and even though he was only four feet away, it felt like he was lifetimes away. Then the towels fell off my gigantic, heaving, naked body as I Johnny Depp, playing Hunter S. Thompson low, low, low to the ground, ether walked towards him. So my hushed, dim, gorgeous birthing room with the fantastic tub gave way to a very clinical, harsh, and brightly lit room with more medical things like an IV and fetal heart monitor. And the anesthesiologist was in full scrubs. I was naked, and I kept lowering myself to the ground to be on my hands and knees. His name was James, Saint James to me. He looked like a British Adam Scott with blue eyes. He was sharp and seemed to know every last detail about me, from my hernia operation as a baby, to my breast reduction as a teenager, to the fact that I've been on herpes medication since being 36 weeks pregnant. He needed to know that I understood the complications of an epidural. 
He needed to know that I accepted these risks. As James was speaking to me, the nurse was ordering me to sit still on the side of the bed and let her get the IV in. I was starting to panic. I couldn't sit still. I kept saying, I'm so sorry. I can't sit still. I can't sit still. And I was thinking, oh, fucking no. I'm going to blow my one chance for a 20-minute break. My one last chance at mercy. My chance at drugs. And the nurse seemed a bit agitated. She said sternly, sit. I told her to just jab the IV in. Just jab it in. She did. Youch. Then a contraction the size of China crept up behind me and took me down. I almost yanked the IV out as I climbed on top of the bed on my hands and knees. I rocked back and forth, my head shooting backwards and then down between my shoulders and back up again. The nurse said my name angrily, as though I was her school-aged child who had just embarrassed or disappointed her. But my doula snapped back. She said she's having two minutes overlapping contractions. There's no break. She can't sit still. And I must have been in some kind of pain, because here's the tableau. A completely fluorescent lit room, a raised hospital bed so that my butt is at eye level with the hospital staff all around said bed, with me in the middle of the bed, on my hands and knees, my face to the wall, with my eczema-patched ass in their faces as I growled, grunted, howled as the true hippo wolf that I was. I might as well shit myself right then and there to make it the full Monty. Who knows, I might have been. Then they got the gas off the wall for me and the doula said, you've got to sit still to get the epidural. And I was still panicking, saying, there's no way I can sit still. How can I sit still? And she said, breathe this in hard. Breathe this in hard. And then I was a Darth Vader sounding hippo wolf, screaming through the worst pain of my life inside of a gas mask. It did make me smile that I sounded like Darth Vader, not outwardly, but inwardly. And the laughing gas started to make me feel lightheaded. It didn't stop me from feeling the pain, but it added a different sensation to the mix. Enough of a difference to distract me for exactly the 30 seconds it took James to stick a very long needle full of drugs into my spine. He said, this is going to hurt. But I didn't feel a thing. Well, that's not exactly true. It felt like a hornet got drunk and accidentally let his stinger flop out on my skin. It wasn't pain. It was a brush. Then James was asking me questions, but I wouldn't let go of the mask. They had to pry the gas out of my hands. I was very lightheaded. I thought if I sucked in enough of this gas, maybe my head would float away and leave my body to it. James said more urgently, how are you feeling? The nurse pried the gas mask off of my face and I answered, James is a saint. The nurses, my midwife, the doula all laughed knowingly. Yes, they said. James is a saint. Poor nurses. They need to be told they are amazing saints too. But the anesthesiologist is the one with the drugs. But then there was a problem. I had to lie down with the epidural, but only one side of my body was relaxed. The other was still riding that wild buck and it hurt like hell. The nurse told me, well, sometimes it doesn't work at all for some women as though I should be grateful that one side of my body is sedated and the other is on a bucking bronco. Nope, kill me now. But James hadn't left yet, and he said just one second, and he fidgeted with the epidural and got it working on both sides. Still panicked, I asked when it would fully kick in. 30 minutes, the nurse said. She had a bag of ice that she was testing my thighs and belly with. I could feel cold, but not freezing cold. Oh, finally, the epidural was starting to work. It was almost 4 a.m. I had been in labor for nearly 29 hours and awake for a lot longer than that. 
the epidural was the single greatest thing to happen to me in my life up to that moment. Full stop. The single greatest thing. It was mercy. It was relief. It was a break. It was like the benevolent pregnancy god thought, oh, what the heck, and put her gentle hand on my shoulder. It was nothing short of a fucking miracle. And one amazing thing about it was that you, the patient, got to control how much medicine went into your spine. They gave you a clicker at the top of your bed and you could click it to pump up the pain relief. I couldn't believe this. I looked the nurse square in the eye, got the epidural button in my hand and went click, 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 click with my thumb. And then without taking my eyes off of her for a second, I did it again. Click, 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 click. Nothing. She didn't say a thing. Then one last click, 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 and then she took it out of my hands. Turns out, in reality, the doses are controlled no matter how much you click it. I think the nurse was just annoyed with the sound of me clicking, like someone clicking a pen open and shut, open and shut. But man, in my mind, I made sure I got a good dose of those drugs. Jay talks about this time fondly, the post-epidural time. He said, it's like my wife came back. He said, you were yourself again. The first thing I did was apologize to everyone in the room, including to James, for being so high maintenance and loud. My shame will never die. And then I started joking. I asked people about their lives, if they were stupid enough to go through labor and have kids themselves. I said, I love your hair like that. Do you find that braid stays in for a whole shift? Then I asked Jay to get out the picture of my nanny, Mary Smith, with nine of her kids in her arms and at her feet. I think she was pregnant with her 10th child in the picture, maybe. It was from 1957. My grandmother, my mother's mother, had birthed 10 kids. She started at the age of 38 and finished at the age of 45. She had four sets of twins and two singles. All survived and thrived. The picture was passed all around while the people oohed and awed. And I told them that's one of the many, many reasons why our son's first name is after her in that side of the family. Then I said, if she can push out 10, by Jesus, surely I can get out one. They turned the lights back to low. Most of the medical staff had left the room. The epidural was working. I was living the high life. I said, this is a really gorgeous suite and that's a beautiful tub. And the midwife told me they'd let me take a 20 minute nap just after she did one more check on the baby. Glorious. I was about to get to nap. I was going to get privacy. I was going to get those 20 minutes. Then she said, oh, wait, the baby is plus two. There's meconium. There was a sing-songy urgency in her voice, but I was mentally sipping my pina colada and my red sarong after surfing contractions all day long. She said, Mama, we need to get a fetal scalp monitor on your baby right now. Right on, I said, as though she told me everything was fabulous. The lights were turned up, a recitation crew was paged, a few more nurses came into the room. A big dentist office-like round lamp nearly blinded me as the doctor pulled it down to get a better image. The doctor and the midwife conferred at my vagina about the meconium. My doula squeezed my hand and I gave her a big smile, as though we were about to see the rock concert of our dreams. My baby's heartbeat was strong and steady. I could feel the relief in the room. Okay, she said. Forget the nap. Mama, we need you to push. Great, I said, but I won't lie. I was disappointed as fuck that I wouldn't be getting that rest or a bit of privacy or a few minutes to myself for a break. 
but I was in such high spirits because the epidural was working, you could have told me I needed to run a marathon backwards in ice skates, and I would have happily tried it. And so that's how I became in the exact same position of how I drew my worst fear from one of the Birthing Within exercises. On my back, holding my knees to my chest, butt out, with medical staff hovering around me. But I didn't feel one iota of fear. I actually felt excited. That is, until someone wheeled in a huge standing mirror so I could see what was happening. Here is what was happening. My vagina was as puffy and swollen as a retired heavyweight champion getting beat to smithereens by a young up-and-comer, underdog, while the crowd watches on in silence. I was never going to push if I had to see any more of that. I was just going to hide out in my corner and dance. So the big standing mirror got wheeled away as quickly as it appeared. Then I felt excited again. For the first time in this entire experience, I actually got to do something. I was assigned a task. Mama, you push. I understood pushing. I got it. I could do that. I could fight back against this pain. Now thoroughly muted to an intense pressure. Put me in coach. I'm ready to play. And push I did with everything I had. The midwife put her finger at what felt like the opening of my anus and told me to push right into it, to take a deep breath and bear down and shove all that oxygen right through my butt. It took me a few tries to learn how to do this, but once I caught on, oh man, did I push. I almost passed out a few times from bearing down so hard and pushing all my oxygen right to my poop hole. The midwife and the nurse asked me to stop pushing in between contractions, that I'd just wear myself out, that I could be pushing for a few hours and there's no point in wasting energy, that with a contraction, a baby moves an inch down and two inches back. But I knew it was no waste. I knew I wouldn't be pushing for three hours. I knew I could get this goat-shaped machete bowling ball out. I imagined my breath as a door that slammed shut on the baby's head when he tried to inch back. Gandalf's you shall not pass came to mind, but more like, baby, you shall not wiggle back. Jay was asleep sitting up. He was leaning his head forward against my hand with the IV in it, and it hurt. The women in the room looked a bit peeved. Everyone was tired, but they didn't know the ups and down, down, downs he'd been through with me what little sleep he was going on. But I said, Jay, you better wake up. I'm pushing. Not because he'd missed the moment, but because I didn't want anyone to think badly about him. He came to and was groggy for a minute. Then the midwife's tone changed. She seemed excited. She said, way to go, Mama, with some vigor and pump. She said, wow, are you ever pushing? I perked up. Then I heard nurses and a doctor from the recitation crew. They were at the back of the room because of the meconium cheer me on and saying things like, wow, that's impressive. Keep it up. Way to go. I loved the credit. I loved being encouraged. Then I thought, I'm doing it. Then I heard more voices as two nurses who covered my nurse break came in to probably relieve the nurse but ended up staying. They said, wow, you're amazing. Look at you go. I was loving it. Then I heard Jay's voice say, amazing, amazing, and it sounded like it was coming from all sides of the room, like he was running around my lower half shouting, amazing. There was no stopping me. Then the doula leaned in really close to my ear and said, you're about to feel the baby crown. The epidural doesn't cover that far. Push into the burning. And I said, what? And then Johnny Cash's ring of fire rose up from the depths and attacked my vagina. I felt burning, staining, splitting, ripping. The bowling ball machete was back and I could feel it tearing through me. 
I kept my eyes shut and I went deep, deep, deep inside of myself. I did not find that hippie earth mama I had been searching for, but what I did find was ACDC's Thunderstruck. And with a stadium of fans chanting, na, 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 thunder, na, 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 I pushed the baby's head out. The people in the room cheered. The midwife told me to pant, to hold it, to wait, not to push. She had said to us that a baby would be born by 6 a.m. It was 5.26 in the morning. I made a decision. I went with ACDC. I pushed. Our son was born at 5.32 a.m. on Father's Day, Sunday, June 15th. His mama just couldn't wait for the pain to be over. Oh, whoops. Or, I mean, excuse me. His mama just couldn't wait to meet him. His cry matched my hippo grunt, growl, and wolf howl. It was lusty, long, sustained. The recitation crew said they didn't even need to see him. They said congratulations, and they left. Jay cut the second umbilical cord. They cut it once and then left a bit on the end for the dad to cut. And they put a toque on him and put him right on my chest. He was slippery and crying and took a big shit all over me. And I was ecstatic. That's my son, I said. And to our little guy, I said, there you are. And he slowly opened his black, black eyes and followed my voice. And then he locked into my own eyes. And he immediately went quiet and relaxed. Then he gave me a long, serious look that seemed to say, hmm, I'm not so sure about this. A perfect sentiment, really. Hot Vomit. A Ferrochrome Podcast. Podcast.